1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: We know it's not the day after the game, but we're looking at a Browns therapy Monday, nonetheless. I'm Jeff Phelps. Medigan in for Baskin today. Hody's taking your phone calls. 216-474-0092. We're going to talk to Scott Petrack, our buddy from the Chronicle Telegram, coming up at 11 o'clock. We're gonna have Jeff Thomas do it at eleven twenty. Tyvis Powell, my partner on the Browns Radio Network, Andy's partner, coming up at one o'clock. And a lot of you today. We want to hear what you have to say. Because this was a season that I thought was in trouble. Just you know, there's a little bit of trouble when Jack Conklin went down in game one. Then Nick Chubb goes down against the Steelers, and I thought, oh boy, this is gonna be bad. Then Deshaun got hurt. And I thought, this is not going to – this isn't going to work. Then Deshaun comes back. In between, you lose other guys. Then Deshaun goes out for the season. And I thought, okay, well, this, w- this was looking like it was going to be a lot of fun. And somehow they went 11-6. and six. And see, that's – I got an email from somebody who said, you know, they were a paper tiger all year. They weren't as good as – like, well, no, they weren't. No. They were – they were they – were, beat up by injuries more so than most teams. Yes. And and that's there's no question. They weren't as good as 11 and 6 with what they had to work with. But somehow they made it work. They somehow they won some games. And that's why I think going into the playoffs we all had our fingers crossed. Can they, can they can they keep it going? I I'll be honest, I thought they'd beat the Texans, but I'd been waiting for the Okay, somehow, some way, someday, this is going to catch up to them. I don't know if that's what it was against Houston. I don't know if it was poor play, poor coaching, poor everything. It just it just seemed like everything caught up to them. Um, if if this team were healthy, my guess is this team is still playing football, but they weren't healthy and they got to the playoffs anyway. So a lot of things a lot of things to unpack on this one Dan and we'll be doing it all off season but today's the day to start the defense getting beat the way it did on the road
3: is all season is probably the biggest question mark that you can have with this team if you are mad at the offense you need to take a deep breath and you need to think for a second and go okay They were on the fifth and sixth string offensive tackles. They were on their fourth of five quarterbacks. Their star running back, who probably, I mean, you could say he's probably the best player on the team, or you could say he's the second best behind Miles Garrett, but boy, anything past the top two, I'd really have to question you, went down in week two. You were running the ball with a guy who was working out at a local high school. Your quarterback worked out at another local high school in New Jersey. You were running the ball with Kareem Hunt. You were running the ball with Pierre Strong, who you grabbed at the beginning of the season from the Patriots for, I mean, what, a bag of donuts? Bag of, I mean, it, it, was, it was a whole lot of nothing.
2: It. He might have helped against Houston.
3: It was a whole lot of nothing. And Jerome Ford, who was a third-round pick and is fine. Maybe above average. Above average, I'd say, yeah, we'll run with that. Like, I can't get mad at the offense. I can't scream about Kevin Stefanski. I I can't lose it over that one. The defense, okay, there's some questions there of, all right, what happened? Because watching that entire game, it's like C.J. Stroud, they watch what happened in Denver, and they said, okay, they were able to attack him around the outside, and so this is what we're going to do. We're going to move the pocket. We're going to do everything we can to neutralize Miles Garrett. We are going to try to... Chip on that side unless there's Laramie Tunsil there. And we're going to do what we can to stop that one. JOK had himself a day. By the way, we should not go any further without saying early.
2: JOK. Holy smokes, buddy. Yeah. Well, he had a year. Yeah. And it looks like the Browns have an impact player on D. Right. And it just seemed like C.J.
3: Stroud had the answers, and he hit the deep shots. And he they the yards after catch were unbelievable. The tackling was nuts. You were asking me in the call. For yards after the catch, the Houston Texans had 165 yards after catch.
2: Yeah, nine point se- seven yards after per it, reception. It just seemed like that they were like getting short passes and turning them into something. The Browns had a bad job tackling. The uh, Brevin Jordan touchdown. Micah Parsons of the Cowboys on Twitter called out Martin Emerson. If you haven't seen that play, and you know you can look at any play and think, well, you know, that was bad. It was really bad. Martin Emerson on that play. Martin, I think, is terrific, and I'm glad he's on this team. It's been outstanding. That play should have never been a touchdown. Yes. Because Martin Emerson should have had it. Uh, go go, look at it. Dave is in Willoughby. Dave, get us started.
4: How are you, Dave? Well, I hate to start off on a negative Nelly tone here, but uh, you know it's it's been happening ever since this game. Look, uh, what was Kevin Stefanski doing in practice last week? Was he resting the team all week after resting them? Uh, in the in the last game, which was kind of a stupid decision, but we can argue that Works for Kansas we're, City. Well, uh, were they watching the films on Stroud? Because the Texans were certainly watching the films on Flacco. So when you say stop calling for Stefanski's ouster, well, uh, that would probably be a good idea. But let's look at the uh, the uh, draft picks that the Browns gave up. To get uh, Mr. Watson. Okay, I'm all ears those, on this. Go, Dave. Who did they draft give up? Picks, those draft picks beat the Browns. Help no, they the didn't, Browns. Dave.
3: <laughs> no, they did not.
4: Damian Pierce is oh, the only so one who was, was on idea. the field. This, this, this was a great idea. The whole thing was, uh, let's give up these draft picks to get Watson, and uh, you think he's going to come back and do, and do anything approaching what Flacco did in five games? No. It's another disaster by the Browns. Hey Dave, he what was
2: Flacco's record in the five games in the regular season? Well, he won the four games, didn't he? What was Deshaun Watson in the five games he started? I don't know. It's been so four and long, one. But- so he did what Flacco did, Dave. Listen, Dave. Uh, well, okay, Stefanski, gonna, did a, Stefanski did a Stefanski did amazing work with what he had. The draft choices, see. the draft choices that went to Houston essentially did not lead to guys on the field. What they did, they moved those picks. You, you get a haul of draft picks, you make it work. And Houston did. Good credit to them.
4: Okay, well, we can argue that. But what was Stefanski doing last week? What were they looking Dave,
3: at? Dave,
2: they were coaching. Yeah,
3: they were coaching. Thank the you offense for the call, was Dave. good in this game. If you think for half a second that Kevin Stefanski was out there going, hey, Joe, you know what you should do? Stare down wide receivers and throw pick sixes. Like, I'm sorry, you're high. You're out of you are out of your mind right now. You have eaten way too many brownies and you need to stop. You and actually you're not even stoned. You're on LSD. Like it's that right. simple. Wow. You're doing peyote in the desert Lucy with Aaron Rodgers. You're doing peyote in the desert. Like seriously? No, you can't yell at Kevin Svans. by the way, to to Dave out there, buckle in because in about a week or so, both he and Andrew Barry are probably having a contract extension put in front of their faces and they're probably signing them.
2: So buckle in. The sitting guys in the last game against Cincinnati is a debate that will never go away. I can't tell you what, what's best. I, I don't know. I mentioned Kansas City. Kansas City arrested tons of guys in their last game. They destroyed Miami. Now, did the weather have something to do with that? I don't know. But Kansas City had to play in it, too. It, it's a, it is a debate. I don't know which way to go on that. There's no question Houston looked more prepared to play.
3: I would have played them a half. I yeah, would have you, played him you
2: said half. that all along. But I get it. You I, said that all yeah. along. Robert's in for a million. Hey, Robert. All right, Robert. Hey, guys.
5: Couple of things.
2: How's breakfast? Yeah.
5: <laughs> Hangover for sure.
6: All right. Happens to the best of us.
5: Stroud, got rid of the ball less than three seconds most times. That means he's seeing wide open receivers. I mean, wide open.
2: They were. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was. wish yeah, it stunned. was nuts.
5: How can you expect Garrett or Zedarius or any of those guys to get to a guy who's getting rid of the ball so quick? Doesn't the secondary, um, if they're covering well, it gives guys a chance to get to the QB.
3: That's the whole goal. I mean the the. The pressure on the quarterback helps the, def- the defense or the uh, secondary and the secondary helps get pressure on the quarterback as the quarterback can't find anything on. They play hand in hand with each other. It's, it's a great question. I'd love an answer to, and I, I frankly don't have one. I,
2: it was surprising because I think the secondary has been, was pretty good during the regular season, Robert. It, it, just, it was, it was not good. Outstanding. It was not good against Houston,
5: which leads to question number two. I, I'm not going to say they look flat. Um, but they didn't have fire on either side of the ball. They looked scared almost. Watching pregame, I'm like, boy, they're uptight. And then Swartz had no answer with secondary help. Um, guys were wide open the whole game from the get go.
2: I, I, I thought I thought that too. Unprepared. Yeah, that was a. I, you know, Robert, I can't, I can't go unprepared. I mean, these this is the same coaching staff that had this team prepared most every week this season it looked like to go out and play a good football game
5: i i i, I, would, ag- I would agree but yesterday or i'm sorry saturday right. they, they looked they looked they
2: looked out they the looked right outplayed course. and they looked out coach. to me i I'll, i won't say they were unprepared no what 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 were they doing they were preparing to play a game you know, all yeah, week no, i'm with you i get that i i totally agree
5: but the results didn't bear that out, especially early. Well, I shell shocked
2: or something. Yeah. Something was up. Robert, thank you very much. I mean,
3: boy, the offense hummed in the first half. I mean, we can't scream about the offense in the first half.
2: Dan, it was a ten point game at halftime. Yeah, and until the touchdown on the eighty two yard interception return, the Browns were heading into for a score. I mean, it, they were in the game despite some really bad things defensively at halftime and into the third quarter. And then when Flacco threw the two interceptions returned for touchdowns, that was that, that's that's Katie bar the door. It's all over. Yeah, that was and, that was the end of it. And again, as bad as the pass was that he threw on the 82 yard interception return, come on man, somebody make a tackle.
3: No kidding.
2: But it, there was there was nobody there to make a tackle. That, yeah. Did you and Wyatt Teller got hurt on that play? If yeah. Any, if anybody has it, go back and take a look at that interception or, or call it up. Wyatt tried to make a tackle. And, like, he bounced, and he flipped, and he flipped again. It was like, oh, my God, this guy's – it it looked like he got thrown out of a car or something like that. And so you had offensive linemen chasing a DB. Yeah. That, that's not going to work. That's not going no. to – that's not that's, a recipe for that's, success. not going to work. Todd's in Akron. Todd, uh, hey, Todd, I'm going to put you back on hold. I, put you, I punched you up too early. Uh, Scott Petrack's coming up at 11 o'clock. Todd's coming up from Akron momentarily. Folks, how's it, how's it feeling today? Any better than it did on, sta- on Saturday? I, I think it just leaves us all with a lot more questions. But, but I will say, I've got a lot of optimism about what's, what's here and what this could become in the future. Could is the key word. I'm Jeff Phelps, no Baskin today. Menigan's in for Baskin. I think Andy's still recovering. Uh, I had punched up Todd in Akron right when I shouldn't have. Todd, I apologize. Thanks for sticking through the break. Yeah, thanks for waiting, man.
7: Well, this is what I want to say. Like, This is why I'm so angry, because that opportunity that we missed, we may not see the Browns in the playoffs for another decade. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I've always said this every, when I called in a couple of months ago. If you don't know how to scout well, you're going to get out – that secondary, to me, is the biggest thing. That's the most – important reason why I believe the Browns lost the game because of the secondary. You see how harmful they were? I mean, they couldn't even – it was people running wide open. He missed, he missed a wide open play, a throw.
6: They missed so several of them. I'm levels. saying
7: to myself, if your scouting is bad, we're going to get this year after year after year. That's what I'm saying. And we might not see the Browns in the playoffs for another decade because we we'll be, that opportunity we missed against Houston.
2: Todd, let me throw let me throw a number at you. Terry Pluto had this from Peter King of Football Morning in America. There were eight plays that Peter found. Peter saw five himself, and then he checked with pro football focus, I believe it was, and found that there were eight plays in the game where a Texans receiver was at least five yards behind the Browns secondary.
7: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, wow. God, yes. And, by the way, I played for Akron U. I was a defensive back. I was a phenomenal man-to-man corner. I quit. I walked away. I was the type of corner, if I was within arm reach of you, I was going to intercept the ball, or you wasn't going to catch the ball. But I played man-to-man. It was never no receiver wide open, or I was no within the vicinity where I couldn't make a play. So I don't know if I'm the only one that see this, but what is everybody looking at? You know, like, my God, that's how bad it is. And they're talking about bringing all these players back next year. They need, to, they need to totally get rid of that secondary and start all over again. That's Todd, you know what? Is. I'm,
2: I'm going to suggest they do. And, Todd, we should have stuck it out because the Browns, may, maybe they could have used it. Yeah. Um, I thought the secondary was pretty good during the regular season.
3: They were the best secondary in football.
2: They got scorched against Houston. Okay? There's no question. I thought Ronnie Hickman stepped in as a rookie. It's He was a find by the Browns and he got scorched against Houston.
3: They went right after Ronnie Hickman. Juan Thornhill came I mean he told you he was hurt. He came right out after that game and he's like I was battling stuff, that calf never went away. He looked like a he looked like a
2: safety who was hurt. I mean, they I think Greg Newsome has done a real nice job since he's been here. He did not have a good game against Houston. He got worked. You don't throw guys out because they had one bad game. You coach them up. Taki uh, Taki
3: had a rough rough day at the office too. Well,
2: Taki-taki is one of those guys on a long list of free agents, I believe. Yeah, And and the Browns are going to have some decisions to
3: make. It was one of those on those – every time like Dalton Schultz or there was – oh, gosh, it was that play-action boot where I think it was Dalton Schultz that leaked out on there. And you had two guys – one of them was Obo Caronco and the other one was Taki-taki that decided to rush Stroud and Stroud popped it over him. I mean, those are the kind of plays where you're just like, okay, I – I think Jim Schwartz is smart enough to know that Oboe should not be the one dropping into coverage. It's probably the middle linebacker who should be on that guy. Like, Taki Taki had a rough day and probably shouldn't be playing middle linebacker for this team moving forward.
2: Uh, Marty's in Pittsburgh. Hello, Marty. How are you, Marty? I think it's Twinsburg. Oh, Twinsburg. Sorry, Marty. Twinsburg.
8: I'm a Cleveland guy. So, we're at the game. Season ticket holders. First time caller, by the way, guys. But, I'm nice. to tell you. We showed up down there, man. There was their whole, what would be the 300 section at our stadium? Their stadium was empty there. There was a lot of open seats there. So, you know, all those canceled flights really uh, played a part in us not being there. Secondly, we were loud. When we went up uh, 14 to 10, that place was barking. But then when we went down, we took it right back. But I'll tell you this. It seemed like they were playing zone. And the stat you just brought up about the eight plays that were behind defenders, uh-huh. Newsom was just getting torched, man. And, and we didn't do anything to adjust. We were still in the game up until that second interception. And, and I, you know, it's hard to say, but Miles seemed absent. Uh, and maybe that's because, you know, CJ got the ball out. But it just seems like we did not, we just looked slow. For a playoff game, they looked like they were ready. We looked slow. But, Jeff, you said it, man. A lot of optimism for next year. We got a lot of guys who played. We got playing time. We got some rookies who got some playing time. Kevin Stefanski put, in, put us in the playoffs with a duct tape offensive line, hmm? a guy off the couch, and then just injury after injury. And
2: backup running, back running
8: backs. And backup running backs. Like, there was a call earlier this morning. The guy was complaining about the running game. The Texans only had 50 yards on the ground going into the third quarter. Like, we were, we were, it just all deflated in that second interception. And there's a lot of hope, man. Let's hope our offensive line can get healthy, stay healthy. And let's hope number four can come out and do exactly what we want them to do next year. There a lot you go. of hope, a lot of optimism. Go, Browns. Thanks for the call. All right, Marty
2: Smith. Appreciate you calling. Don't be a stranger. Marty, call back again. Marty mentioned adjustments. I found this interesting. When Miles Garrett said it in his postgame comments, I looked at Tyvis Powell, and we both kind of like rolled our eyes a little bit because clearly in the first half, Houston found something in the Browns' defense, and they were exploiting it. And then Miles was asked about some adjustments and changes from defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Here's what Miles had to say.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: I can't imagine that there wasn't some adjustment. Can you? There had to be some they had to have some adjustments and if not, and I think Jim Schwartz did a, did a great job all year. And anybody who calls and says he didn't do a great job all year, you're lying because you called us earlier and said he was doing a great job. Everybody loved this guy, but I can't believe they didn't do something. And if they didn't, Ooh, that was bad because it's the NFL. Everybody has a coaching staff, right? Everybody has scouting. Everybody has analytics. You've got a coach on the fly.
3: There's, there's always a counter punch to every punch. Like, and maybe this is a Tivas question at one o'clock. Maybe we asked Tyvus Powell what they could have done. Like that's because that's somebody who's going to know I am not a defensive guru in any way to know what the counterpunch should have even been to what nor, they were doing. And so I don't have that answer. I don't know. I I know that this team had been incredibly successful all season long with their ability to just throw pressure and more pressure and mix things up on, you know, on the back end of it and play a boatload of man. And that's where this team succeeded. They were a man to man defense all year long and we loved it. And it worked. I mean, heck, we but had it, people screaming. We had people screaming yeah. last year that Joe Woods' biggest complaint was the fact that he didn't play man. That oh you gotta play man with this defense. You gotta play man with Denzel Ward, he's a man corner. Like we, we heard this until the end. And like that's what they did. They did it fantastic and something happened in this game. And I, I still don't know. I'm frankly, I'm not smart enough.
2: Rodney's in Cleveland.
3: Rodney?
10: How are you, Rodney? Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. I, I'm hearing everything, Jeff. And you got to listen, man. I'm going to say this, man. Playing football and being on the other end of coaching the game, I got beat by a team that I beat because we sat down. You have to keep your train rolling. I agree they should at least play a half. They came out sluggish. They came out slow because, man, you have, you can't. Stopped the momentum, and that's what they did. They stopped the momentum of what they had riding by going into Cincinnati and losing that game, and you embarrassed. Cincinnati tried to embarrass the backups, and they lost that game, and when they left, they walked into Houston the same way they walked out of Cincinnati, flat, wasn't ready to play, and that's what happened to the Browns, gentlemen. Thank you. All right, Rodney.
2: Again, that's a debate. I don't know the answer to it after all the injuries this team dealt with all season long can you imagine if they had played joe flacco for even a quarter he took one hit and he wasn't quarterbacking seriously i mean the way the way the game turned out obviously joe threw two interceptions on i the can't return yell for at touchdowns. The offense. i can't yell at the offense too much there were two there were the two offense. bad plays and the, they didn't run the ball the defense wasn't good and they hadn't run I, the ball for i just court, five I, games. I, I have a a hard time buying that it was because they sat guys. Sometimes teams sit guys and and they play well the next game out. Sometimes they play they sit guys and they don't play well. Kansas City played well enough and they rested a ton of guys. You know, so I.
3: I mean, we'll see what Baltimore can, can looks we, like this week. Can we
2: not just say you got beat? Yeah, you I got mean, they, you, you got beat. And by the way, that's the reality. You got beat. Like teams coming out of bye weeks usually seem refreshed. Yeah, and ready to go. Well, some of our guys had a bye and they weren't refreshed and ready to go. So I and remember this team's bye week was after week 4. It was a long time ago. Now you did have a, a little longer layoff because of the Thursday night game against the Jets. I'll say that. I mean it was longer than usual. But I again I'm I'm much more inclined to just say, "Hey, look, you got your butts whipped. Yeah. You just got beat. Yeah. Rather than, well, it's because you sat and you were healthy.
3: And it's a really I bad know. time to have your rear end handed to you on a silver platter, but that's you got your rear end handed to you. Kevin Stefanski's had this comment,
2: and it wasn't trite and it wasn't cliche. I think he was right on the money. He said, we picked a really bad day to have a bad game. And they did. And they're feeling the same way in Dallas today. And asking the same questions in Dallas that we're asking here, but even more so. I would believe. Scott, if you're on hold, we'll get your phone calls a little later on, but we're going to bring in Scott Petrak from the Chronicle Telegram, BrownZone.com. BrownZone.com. Scott's thoughts every Monday at 11. It's Monday at 11. He's
6: next.
3: T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Welcome back to Basket and Phelps. Season's over. Before we wanted it to be, there's no question about that. I don't know that many folks thought it would go as long as it did after everything that the Browns had to deal with this regular season. I'm not sure how that settles with everybody. It's a strange situation right now. Guy's going to give us great perspective, joins us right now on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He covers the Browns for the Chronicle Telegram, brownszone.com. Where you can read all of the fine work of Mr. Scott Petrack. Hello,
11: Scott. How are you, Scott? I'm okay. How are you guys doing? We're all we're
2: all right. I'm more than anything, the way that they dodged the injury bullets all season long and somehow managed to keep winning, that is what stunned me on Saturday, that it just for whatever reason, it all fell apart. Was that as stunning to you as it was to me?
11: Oh, it certainly was. I thought they were going to win. I thought there was the potential that the Browns would win big. I thought the matchups favored them. Um, I knew that, you know, obviously they could lose. I knew the recipe to get to a loss, and a lot of that played out. But I never really thought about the bronze getting blown out. And on that recipe of, okay, this goes wrong, this goes wrong, this goes wrong, I did not see the defense getting destroyed in the first half. I know how, you know, the defense's struggles on the road. Dought the year, we've talked about it, I've written about it. But it had never been that bad as it was in the first half, and I just did not see that coming.
3: I don't think anybody did, Scott. I mean, gosh, poor Greg Newsome and poor Ronnie Hickman had themselves one of the worst games you've seen in a long, long time. I, I thought it was interesting in the post game, and Jeff was the one who really pointed it out, was Miles Garrett saying, Jim Schwartz at halftime said, hey, this is, this is what we're doing, we're doing what took us here. Is there any adjustment that could have been made to what they do, or... I mean, it just it just seemed like after hearing that quote, Jim Jim Schwartz was like, "Hey, man, this is my mantra, and this is how we roll."
11: Yeah, it's interesting. I th- I asked that guy asked Miles that after the game, and then I was asking guys in the locker room yesterday. I don't remember if it was Greg Newsom or Denzel Ward, and it was yeah, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, and part of me, you know, respects that. Right? You come in with what you do, and you do it best. And it's hard to make. Sweeping changes in the middle of the game. Sure. And Newsom said he didn't think it was a scheme issue. He thought it was the guys, the players, not being honed in on the little details, right? So, for an example, on that first touchdown to the tight end where it's a little screen pass, you know, the little dump off and he goes 76 yards. Well, two guys go after CJ Stroud, right? I guess J.O.K. and Oboe. Well, they're not both supposed to go after CJ Stroud. Right? So instead of it being a 76-yard play, maybe it's not a uh, reception or it's a short completion. right? And obviously Martin Emerson does a terrible job trying to tackle him. Instead of a 10-yard gain, it's a 76-yard touchdown. That looks like a bad play, like a bad scheme play, but it's probably on the players. And I think there's several of those examples. Having said that, that doesn't mean the Texans didn't have a great plan to attack what the Browns do. And they took advantage of the aggression – they took advantage of the fact that the Browns shoot everybody up the field, right? All their defensive linemen, and you know they're not the first team to know that the Browns do that. But if the Browns do everything on point and they get pressure, then it nullifies some of that. And they just didn't do enough well to negate any of the things the Texans are trying to expose. And when it turns into big plays, right? If Ronnie, when Ronnie Hickman gives up a couple of deep touchdowns, then you don't have a chance to fix it. You don't have a chance to get the negative plays that put. Houston in a bad spot, and it just kind of snowballs on you. So, you know, I, I'm really anxious, and I don't think we're going to talk to him until next season, but to get Jim Schwartz's take on this, right? Like, he knows his, his scheme is vulnerable in certain spots, and he's aware of that, and he tries to, you know, compensate for it, but they just didn't have those answers, and I think part of it's what well, you can call it a lack of adjustments, and part of it's the players not executing what he told them to do. Scott
2: Petrax joining us. Uh, Scott the running game disappeared late and and I don't mean late in the game, I mean late in the yeah. season. And I went through and did some did some number work with Dewan Jones this year without Dewan Jones. And and I know they lost Conklin, we know they lost Jedrick Wills, but through the 12 games when Dewan played, they were 7th in the NFL 135.1 yards per game. And after he went out they were down to seventy-five yards per game, and their yards per carry dropped by one. I, I think that the shell of a good running game is still there if you get Conklin back, Dewan Jones, and and Jed Wills, and wherever they're going to play those three guys, we'll figure that out down the road. But do you think this team could use an upgrade at running back because Nick Chubb is not going to be there at the start of the season unless we unless there's some miraculous recovery?
11: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there, Jeff. I think, first of all, Dewan Jones played great, right? Way above expectations. Sure did. And if you talk to his teammates and coaches, they said the run game was the worst of his pass protection and run block. Like, they thought he was better as a pass protector than he was as a run blocker. So I think there's only room for him to improve there because he's as big as he is. Um, they obviously missed Jones. Excuse me. And they missed Jed Wills, right? I mean, for all the Grief Jed Wills gets, he's a good run blocker. Mm-hmm. And then you have Joe Batonio kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit, not a hundred percent. He talked about that a lot yesterday. Ethan Posick missed a little bit. So I think the biggest reason the run game suffered was the injuries and lack of continuity across the front five with the offensive line. I think part I would, of it I was, agree with that, by the way. I okay. Think I think right. part of it was when Dorian Thompson Robinson played. Defenses did not worry about him throwing the ball, so they put a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage. And then you go to December, and they go four games in a row, and part of that was DTR, um, where they didn't get 100 yards. Right? They didn't even get to 100 yards rushing. And then they, they figured out a little bit in that Jets game. I thought Jerome Ford ran as hard as he had all season long, but that didn't feel sustainable. So I think there's a lot of issues, but when you ask looking forward, I think they need another body in that running back room. I think they like Ford. You know, and he's a, you know, like, I don't know if he's a starter, right? But he's kind of borderline starter. I think Pierre Strong gives you something, but they need one other body in there. And I don't know if it, you know, I don't think you have to spend like a high draft pick on a guy. I don't know if you had to sign a big time free agent, but you need to add somebody that to add to that mix. and maybe to challenge Jerome Ford to be that one or to be the one, a one B, right? Like that's kind of the guy I think they're looking for because they trust their scheme. And if they have their starting five outs of linemen, I think they think, hey, we can run it well, almost regardless of who's back there. But they do need a little upgrade in the backfield.
3: Scott Patrick, Chronicle Telegram, BrownZone.com, joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Scott, you brought up the running back side of it. The other one is the wide receivers. It Even when Flacco came in and took over, and it seemed like this passing game woke up a little bit, you saw some Cedric Tillman in there. Of course, he ended up getting banged up. But it was basically the Amari Cooper, David Njoku show. Do they in the offseason need to look at that Elijah Moore spot, that second wide receiver, and maybe look to upgrade it? Or are they content with what they have?
11: I don't think they're content. Again, it, you know, there's so much nuance to all these discussions. Because, yeah, you look at that receiving core, and you go, okay, you have Amari Cooper who, you know, who's a Pro Bowl receiver, right? And he's starting in the Pro Bowl, 1,200 yards. Um, we see what he can do. Like, he's a legitimate guy. Um, then you go, okay, well, Elijah Moore was fine, 59 catches, you know. And then you look at the number three and you go, well, Cedric Tillman's flash, but Fleck also, also threw about six interceptions when he's trying to throw Tillman because they weren't on the same page. Um, you know, and then David Bell's David Bell. So you can obviously say they ne- it needs an upgrade. That room needs an upgrade. And whether you want to go a number one that slides Cooper down to be an excellent number two or you don't want to pay Cooper the money and you got to figure out how to restructure his contract or bring him back, there's the potential for a lot of shift inside that room. Now, Elijah Moore is going to come back, but does he come back as a two? Does he come back as a three? I mean, they, they thought he was going to be a two with the potential to be a number one. And I don't know if they're going to be willing to give up on that after just one season. So, and I kind of think, you know, I kind of think Moore is going to be the two. We'll see if Cooper comes back as the one. I think you have to bring him back because he's been so reliable, he's a great guy in that locker room. And maybe you try to upgrade the three spot. Um, but we've been talking about this position all year. And yes, it feels like it has those deficiencies. But when Flacco was in the game and they were playing at high efficiency, which they did for the last month of the regular season, they threw for 300 yards a game. Yeah. He'd spread the ball to eight or nine receivers every game. So I think if your quarterback's good enough and your scheme's good enough, you don't need to have studs across that receiver position. Um, so I, I think it's a tough decision for Andrew Berry, and I don't think he's going to pay big money for a second receiver. So is it going to be Amari Cooper and then like a little fill-ins here and there, or do they, you know, try to upgrade on Cooper and then kind of keep who they have. It's the rest of the receiving core. Um, I, I don't know which way they're going to go.
2: We're going to talk uh, pretty heavily about wide receivers coming up at noon, by the way, everybody. The one thing about it, about it though, Scott, I, I would if you look at what Andrew Berry has done, it's not like he's neglected the wide receiver spot. You know, he's drafted three in a row in the third round, and you didn't have anything higher than third-round picks the last two years. So you used you know high picks on Tillman and Bell. Schwartz didn't work. You brought in Goodwin. Right. Uh, you traded for more. The only thing I think you could say is it wasn't a lack of effort. Maybe you just didn't scout it very well, or you're not you're not talent evaluating as well as you should when it comes to that. That said, I still think Tillman could be good. David Bell finished strong. I think there's possibilities of the guys who are already here, but maybe you need to maybe reevaluate the way that you're evaluating this wide receiver position.
11: I think that's a good point, Jeff. I do. I mean, obviously Schwartz was a swing and a miss. Um, David Bell is who David Bell is. He's always in the right spot. He usually catches the ball when you throw it to him, like most of the time, right? He's got good hands, reliable, finds, you know, the open spots in the zone. He's not going to run by anybody, right? So there's a ceiling to what he can be. Now, he's an NFL receiver. He's going to be on a roster. He's going to be on this roster. Um, but, you know, he's probably a four or five, which, you know, uh, is that a good value for a third-round pick? We could probably have the argument. Yeah. Um, I, I saw good stuff for Cedric Tillman. He's got strong hands. He's a big body. He can run after the catch. But there's work to be done there. Like I said, you know, he he ran the wrong route multiple times um, with Flacco that led to interceptions, right? Maybe you just say, okay, that's a rookie, and he's going to get better, and that's the hope. So I I think there is room for him to get better, and he can be a solid two or three at some point. The problem is you're going into next year with a bunch of expectations, so you need more than hope and potential. So that's why it's going to be interesting. I mean, I could see them run it back and just, replace Marquise Goodwin with a different veteran and say, this is our group, and we think Amari Cooper's got one more big year left in him. We think Elijah Moore's going to be even better in year two, right? like year two in the system. Like, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also see them saying, hey, we have to be creative with the salary cap. We have to be creative. Amari Cooper's going to turn 29 or 30. Um, we need big changes. So I, I think that might be the most fascinating position on this roster.
3: Last question for you, Scott. Do you see anybody on this coaching staff finding their way onto other staffs?
11: Um, Not really. You know, like I don't think Jim Schwartz is going anywhere. I think he would have been interviewed by now. um, And that performance Saturday certainly doesn't help him. Not that that should matter, right? It's a much you got to look at everything, not one performance. Um, But I don't think he's going anywhere. You know what? I could see. Here's what I could see. Alex Van Pelt leaving to take a coordinator job where he can call plays. Um, You know, because I think there's a cap here with how much responsibility he has. He's not going to move on to be a head coach if he's not calling the plays. So if that opportunity presents itself, um, I could see Van Pault leaving. Uh, you know, I don't know if I see anybody else making a jump to a coordinator job except him with that play calling responsibility somewhere else.
2: Scott? We appreciate so much you being with us all season long. Um, please, let's continue in the offseason. There's a lot of work to be done here until the uh, draft and free agency and everything else. Thank you, buddy. You're the man, but Thanks. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Scott Pentrack, Chronicle Telegram, joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. And again, brownszone.com, where you can read all of Scott's work. More Browns talk coming up a little later on. We're going to make Jeff Thomas do it next. So I watched the Browns and the Texans. Obviously, watched the Cowboys and the Packers. And one thing about each winning team in a game where these big-time defenses, Browns and Cowboys, were just destroyed, stuck out to me. One thing, and we're going to get into that at noon. I'm Jeff Phelps. My buddy is Dan Menegan. Is it the Dante from Clark's? We're not.
3: I'm not even supposed to be here.
2: No, was that what it is? That, that no. wasn't it. No, that's what stuck that, out to that me. Wasn't <laughs> We just heard Jeff Thomas talk about the uh, Steeler-Bill game that was moved to today. So 4.30 is the starting time. And the weather's an issue, and they brought in fans. They said, hey, if you want to come help us, 20 bucks an hour, and we'll feed you <laughs> to shovel snow. <laughs> Bring your own shovel, <laughs> which actually makes perfect sense because, you know, where are you going to we're going to come up with 300 shovels. BYOS. Yeah. And what if you bought 300 shovels and 200 people showed up? You got 100 shovels. Well,
3: and not to mention, on top of that, you're in upstate New York.
2: Yeah. You've got the creme de la creme Everybody, of shovels. If you want a shovel, that's your place. You're rolling in with the Cuisinart of shovels. I have a great snow shovel. It's a yellow handle thing with a real light. Ooh, we uh, may need to talk. But it's loose, and it's, it, I'm, I'm going to have to get a new one. you got to tighten it. A- Anyhow, tighten that so they brought fans in. And the fans, you know, helped shovel out and everything. But the game's going to be played today. And, Dan, it's still bad up there. What are they doing with fans and transportation? Yeah, here? so
3: it's nasty. The Bills have just announced that fan they have a fan parking and pickup location at a local mall that I guess there's an old Sears there. So for those of you Westsiders with, like, Great Northern Mall, how there's still the Sears that's right there, I guess it's the same idea in Buffalo. And there will be a shuttle that will pick up and drop off people uh, entering the you know i guess it's now called Highmark stadium which I got that going for you and that's nice. a
2: great idea to do that oh gosh you, so know, you should that do we, that anyway i think that would be perfect It'd we be, should do it would that. be perfect here yeah yeah we should do exactly. that kid me rather Go. than cram into the city hey let's get as close to the lake as we can oh the game's over three hours later i'm on i-90 should have a mess lo- this is a great idea they should use old sears locations
3: for buses this is tremendous right. jeff i think you're on to something. old sears locations so they're going to play, play that
2: game us. today, and then tonight it's uh, Tampa Bay and the Eagles. J.J. Watt, the former Houston Texan, went to Twitter when he saw all of this, and it's now called X. And J.J. said this, and I want, I want everybody in Cleveland to think about this. Honest question, says J.J. Watt. Wasn't the argument for Buffalo's new stadium not having a roof that football is supposed to be played in the elements? This is multiple games in recent years that have been rescheduled due to weather. JJ concludes, do we want the elements to be a factor or not? And I thought, I can't come up with an argument for you there. You're building a new stadium in Buffalo. I, I, I'll, let me take that back. I have one argument that doesn't involve, bless you, Dan. Kansas Sorry. I have, I have one <laughs> I tried argument. Try to hide it. It doesn't involve weather. Okay. Do we want elements to be a factor or not? Because J.J.'s right. You're in Buffalo, New York. It doesn't snow much more anywhere else in the world than Buffalo, New York. That's I'm very sure, true. I'm sure it does. Don't call me that. But it, it snows like crazy in Buffalo. In Reykjavik, Iceland. They don't I know. get it, Actually, Iceland's Greenland's warmer though. than Greenland. Yeah. Actually, Greenland's the one that gets bubbled Exactly yeah. right. So do we want that or not? They're going to build a new stadium in Buffalo. The big argument was, hey, we deal with the elements. We're Buffalo. We're tough. Okay then why didn't you play on Saturday? Well, and again, in the same conversation that we always have
3: when it comes to the Browns and that same thing. Okay, your your quarterback is from Southern California. Your wide receiver, I, I don't know where Stephon Diggs is from. I'm assuming it's not Buffalo. I
2: think we could go out on a limb and say that one. Like, it's not
3: like these guys show up and magically
2: gain cold right. superpowers. They're not all from Finland or Canada.
3: Uh-huh. It's not like a bunch of Norwegians show up and life is good. Yeah. Like, it's...
2: These guys still feel it and all that stuff, and like Buffalo, if anywhere. And Dan, we're from here. We feel it. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I got a scarf, <laughs> Mr. Wisconsin. A, excuse me. I got a scarf. I got a full face mask exactly. for walking
3: through here. Like it's it's ridiculous. It
2: was cold. This is, cold this is too darn cold. So, but what do you want the elements to be in there or not?
3: Well, so this is where I'm torn. Is because as much as I I hate what's happening in. Buffalo. And I despise the fact that we have to, you know, we gotta move these games and we gotta because we're worried about public safety because we couldn't get an ambulance into the stadium. It's like, yeah, you you need that. Like I but there's another part of me that closes my eyes and watches Tom Brady whip balls to, you know, wide receivers in the snow, throwing a Dion branch in the in the Tuck Rule game and like that kind of stuff. And like there's a there's a romanticism that takes place with snow games yeah. in the NFL.
2: Do you think that the Miami Dolphins were affected by what happened in Kansas City weather-wise? Or did they just get smoked?
3: I think, they, see. I, I think they just, can you do a little column A and column B? Because I don't know if, because yeah. Tua's arm isn't exactly built. Now the wind wasn't whipping, but Tua doesn't exactly have the strongest arm on the planet. Well, no, the
2: wind was whipping. The wind chill was 30 below. No, that's a valid point.
3: But like Tua's arm isn't it exactly built for that kind of thing. So I as much as I want to say, like, yeah, you know, that's what did it, there's another part where it's like, yeah, your quarterback doesn't throw all that heart down
2: with though. as anybody who's listened to our show for any length of time And, and Tua's really good. that's not meant to oh, be terrific. May know Andy and I are big proponents of a retractable roof. And this is one of the reasons why. Look what happened in Detroit last night. And that was a an entertaining football game. Yeah. Did the folks in Detroit care that they were sitting inside? I think they probably appreciated it. <laughs> and Ford Field is a great facility for the city of Detroit. They do a lot of different things. In it. Absolutely. The only, and and I think retractable roofs the way to go. I I really do. I I love watching a clean game. Uh, to me, the when when it's so cold that Patrick Mahomes' helmet cracks, chips off in a big chunk. Okay. Maybe you shouldn't be playing outside, but here's the here's the argument. Does Buffalo want to spend all the money you have to spend on a retractable roof? I mean, that's tax; those are tax dollars. No, you know, I and I can't blame them. No, and I can't and, either. And, and here in Northeast Ohio, same thing. You know, I I get it. Retractable roof, big price tag. If the NFL wants to really protect its product and make it as good as possible, the NFL needs to get more involved in building stadiums. I mean, they need, to, they need to pony up a little bit more. That's, I mean, if you can go all around the world and play football games and move your entire operation to Brazil for a week, you know? If you can, you know what? I think it would be better for our team camaraderie, and I'm not making fun of this, better for our team com- camaraderie to go to the Greenbrier for a week. Let's yeah. go hang out at a resort together. Absolutely. And Jimmy Haslam just writes the check. Well, Okay, because it would have cost you a heck of a lot less to keep everybody in Berea. If the NFL has this kind of money, they need to pony up more for stadiums if they want to avoid situations like we're seeing in Buffalo or games like we saw in Kansas City. Enough dough to build a week's worth of
3: entertainment leading into a football game, which is the Super Bowl. And, I mean, they've got concerts. They've got mm-hmm. you know all sorts of stuff that comes when the Super Bowl shows up with it. Like, yeah. I'm kind of with you. The only way you could see it going a different direction is kind of if the NFL also has the same romanticism with snow games and nasty games and overcoming the elements Mm -hmm. that we all do here as we sit and watch NFL films when they'll show the ice ball again. And you'll see, you know, Bart Starr just Jerry Kramer, which is nothing but puffs of smoke coming out of
2: their mouth as they're, you know, going up against the Cowboys. Let me ask you this one. The the one argument about building a, retrat- a retractable is that it's so darn expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're talking, you know, a billion, two billion, whatever it is. I I don't I don't even know. It's just outrageous. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Do you have to build that fancy of a stadium, for instance? And I've never been there, but I've always heard the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Just a building. Yeah. It's got a roof on it. A lot of people call it a dump. Yeah. But guess what? They play. You go inside and you play the game. That's a, you play the game. If you put a roof on a stadium or it, you build a stadium here and it had a roof on it, but it didn't have the greatest of luxury suites and all this other stuff, would you still not be able to hold all kinds of other other events in it? Yes, you could. Absolutely. Yes, you could. But the but the thing that you're you're running into there
3: is now if you do that, you're taking money out of owners' pockets by not having them be able to
2: give those luxury Yeah, well, by. do they want to keep making money like crazy, owning an NFL team and selling their television And rights? Which is why I turn around and say, then, boys, if you want to have that, you better chip in. Yeah, Jim and Strong's or or has pay a, for it. That's a good point. Hi, Jim.
12: Uh, Jeff, unless you – I mean, you did notice that they put a playoff game exclusively on Peacock, so obviously yep. the money in their pockets is pretty important. That's a critical thing.
2: Them. Yep. That's yeah, message, 25 that,
3: million people tuned in and watched it.
12: Yeah, and Dan, I'm not so sure those players way back when, when you were seeing the smoke coming out of their mouth, wasn't them just smoking cigarettes on the sidelines.
3: <laughs> well, that's, that's also very true. Yeah, that's pretty You're good. You're not wrong on that one. That's pretty good. Had to, stay, just to, had to stay warm somehow. That, Everybody huddle around the cigar.
12: In the name of Andy, to correct the red pen, look, they, you, they could have had a dome, not a dome. It didn't matter. I mean, there was a public emergency. There was a travel ban in effect for that part of New York. Whether you agree with the governor or not, I don't care what kind of facility you had. It had nothing to do with, like, playing the game in the weather. It had yeah. everything to do with travel conditions and people not being able to get there, period. However, um, I agree with it, you. if, if they
2: had had a dome, Jim, don't you know that it got two football teams and all of the people that they needed to play a game in there? That would have happened. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, if you I, can't I, get I an that, ambulance
3: up there, you're SOL. How could you get everybody in there that if game,
2: you couldn't, if in, but not an ambulance?
12: No, I don't think that they game. I don't think that, that game happens no matter what they have going on. I just, I think that that was that okay. was honest to God. I think the governor strung armed the NFL on that to a certain degree. I just think that was the way that went. But I agree with you on the Kansas City thing. Look, nobody wants. I get it. It looks nice, and it's it's miserable. You play this game in nice, not nice, but semi nice weather all year long, and then you get to the playoffs, the ones that matter the most, and you're playing like on ice. These games, yeah, it's 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 not a representation of what the game has been all year. I just, hmm. we want the best players to perform the best, and you're just not getting that.
3: Agreed, Jim.
2: I agree that's, completely, that's, Jim. Thank you, buddy. That's the thing.
3: I mean, right here, our x is powered by Shiba Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. You can always tweet the show at CLA Talking Heads. Rob chams in and goes, is it a time for the NFL to assign playoff games to stadiums that are in domes or warm weather, regardless of which yeah. team makes it? No, no, that's, no, 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 Rob, no, I've, I've no, heard that no. too,
2: but I I don't know, man. No. See that's
3: do not take home playoff games away. I know. No. The I know. NFL will become it, it, And
2: and if you're Detroit. No. Let's no, hold on. If Sorry. you're if you're Detroit and let's just say that's in place and you keep winning. Hey, wait a minute. We have home field advantage. We have a dome. Yeah. Why can't we play here? No, because we're we're putting this game in the Superdome in Louisiana. You lose your
3: home field advantage, you lose your soul.
2: Yeah. I I agree. One thing really stood out to me as I was watching the Browns' defense get smoked and as I was watching the Cowboys' defense get smoked, and it deals with something I've thought about our team for years. Next on Baskin and Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps. My buddy's Dan Mennegan. He's in for Andy today. So uh, before I get to my point about something that st- st- really stood out in those games to me, Ryan's in Fort Lauderdale. Ryan, I knew you'd call back today. Thank you, buddy. All right, Ryan?
13: Hey, Dr. Mennegan. Dr. Phelps, I'm here for my annual season finale. I had it scheduled for a couple weeks. The only weeks thing now. I have a
3: doctorate in is BS, Ryan. I'm just telling you now.
13: <laughs> you and I both, buddy. You and I both. Uh, but yeah, I digress, man. I tell you, uh, scheduled obviously this appointment for at least at least next week or further. So I am not prepared for this, man. Nor are the Browns fans. Again, rational Browns fan, even the media, the market, uh, Vegas, whatever. Everyone had us winning, even if it was by a little bit. No one saw that debacle. What that was, just lackluster. Just, I mean, I had hair before the game started, and I pulled it all out during and after. So it's just one of those games you just. It's still throwing your hands up. And I try to hide from it, uh, Dr. Menigan and Phelps. Going to the gym today, popping my earbuds on. Then I look up on the treadmill and I see the four letter station showing the Browns recap. You can't hide from it. Just it's uh it's just lingering and it's like we're not we're we're supposed to still be in this, but it's it is what it is. I, you know, I just I'm at a loss for words. Hopefully you guys are too, and every other Browns fan. We did lose. They beat us, like you said, Jeff. They won fair and square. Hats off to CJ Surrell, just knowing what to do under duress and stress and in that pocket. But, man, I don't want to high-five another team. I want to high-five fans moving on to the next round. But that did not happen, man. It just sucks. But, anyway, guys, thanks for taking my Browns Therapy Monday call. Hope you guys have a great day.
2: All right, Ryan. Don't be a stranger in the offseason. Boy, did Ryan just make me feel all depressed. Thanks, Ryan.
3: (laughs) Again! (laughs) I think we're all going to end up in this point maybe two weeks from now. five quarterbacks four offensive uh,
2: Dan they they shouldn't have been eleven and six.
3: this is on un- this they, is they awesome.
2: probably shouldn't have made the playoffs with everything that happened, but because they did, they raised our our hopes i I won't even say our expectations because I expected it to implode at some point. I did, but I didn't think it would be against Houston. We but all it did. We woke up from a five-month bender and we're,
3: or a five-week bender, I should say, and we're looking around the house right now, going, "Ooh, so I, I happen here? yeah."
2: Well, while well, I'm watching that game and watching goat, watching the Browns' number one defense, number one against yards, uh, okay, number one in yardage given up, fewest in the NFL per game, and passing yards, fewest in the NFL per game. And I watched C.J. Stroud, who was really good. Okay, quarterback's a big part of this. But I watched him throwing passes to an interesting group of wide receivers, and they didn't even. The wide receivers were pretty good in that game, but they weren't all on display because Tank Dell, their outstanding rookie, uh, out for the season. And I, I thought, boy, they had weapons that hurt the Browns, and not just, you know, not just in that game, but the thought of those weapons and and different things. They The Browns couldn't deal with that. Then I watched the Packers, and I've watched the Packers all year, just roll out young wide receiver after young wide receiver who get the job done. And I thought, how much do they get the job done? So I, I did a little digging on this, and, and this is the thing that I, that I thought. And this is what I've talked about with the Browns, and if – If you've listened to the show and you've heard me for years complain about the wide receivers, I'm going to do it again. But I'll give you a caveat first. It's this. Not ready to give up on Cedric Tillman, nor David Bell, nor Elijah Moore. And it's not as if the Browns haven't tried to add some wide receivers to this team. They've taken one in the third round each of the last three years. They traded for Amari Cooper. Boy, did that work out. They traded for Elijah Moore. That's yet to work out. And they brought in Marquise Goodwin. That didn't work out. But the Texans, and, and then I thought, you know, big explosive place, right? That, that's how you win in the NFL. The Texans with Nico Collins, Tank Dell, both third-round picks, by the way. Browns use third-round picks on guys who haven't played Nico Collins is a stud with almost thirteen hundred yards receiving. He was a third round pick in twenty twenty one. And Tank Dell was a third round pick just this last year. He was really good. Hmm. And they brought in Noah Bell, was a free agent, or Noah Brown, excuse me, who was a free agent and from Dallas, Ohio State. He was good this year. Robert Woods, their veteran, he was their Marquise Goodwin. They brought him in this year. And John Mechie was a second round pick. Who of course, was dealing with with real serious illness. I think it was leukemia. Yeah. And and oh yeah. And then an ACL on top of it. And so he's a second round pick. He's yet to go. However, these this group of wide receivers put together ten games of one hundred yards receiving or more individually. Collins had five. Dell had three. Noah Brown had two. Packers. The Packers. Young guys. And and they put a lot of resources into this. Christian Watson, second-round pick in 2022. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, two rounds later in the fourth round. They took Samari Torre, who hasn't done much yet, but is really intriguing in the seventh round of that same draft. Mm -hmm. They brought in three wide receivers. Jaden Reed, second-round pick this last year. Dontavian Wicks, fifth-round pick this last year. He was good. They brought in Bo Melton, young guy from Seattle. Uh, and he was on their practice squad, and another guy named Malik Heath, who was a rookie free agent. He's not bad. That's seven young guys they have at receiver. Seven. And those guys put together a huge group of 90-plus yard receiving games. A a ton of them. Okay, Uh, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven games of 90 yards or more receiving between that group. And the Browns' wide receivers, Cooper, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, David Bell, Marquise Goodwin. So the Texans had three guys who had at least 100-yard receiving games. And, again, Brown had two, Dell had three, Nico Collins had five. Packers had Watson have two games of 90-plus. Dobbs had one game of 90-plus. Reed had one game of 100-plus. Wicks had two games of 90 or more. Bo Melton had a 100-yard receiving game. Browns players who had 90 or more yards receiving at wide receiver in a game this year, Amari Cooper. That's it? That's it. Jeez. That's it. Amari had five games of 100 or more yards receiving and then two more games of 90 plus. So he had seven games of 90 or more yards. That's outstanding. Mm -hmm. But what's the issue? Amari was kind of dinged up, right? He's been fighting an injury. Whether he was dinged up or whether Houston shut him down the other day, he wasn't a big factor. And the Browns had no one else to step up. And to me, that's what I've talked about for years. You've got to bring these wide receivers in fleets. I mean, look look what Dallas did yesterday. They, were, they stunk, obviously. The Packers tore them up. But C.D. Lamb was having an off game. Boom, you go to Michael Gallup. Michael had a 100-yard receiving game. You brought in Brandon Cooks, who can still play as a receiver. Brandon Cooks was great in the regular season for them. And that's my my point here, is that you just don't have enough. And the Browns have tried, but have they put enough resources into it? Well, and and the thing with you – Picking the Texans and Packers—that's interesting. Well, is, it's because they were right there, front and center, oh, right? And they destroyed two really good defenses.
3: Oh, hundred percent. So
2: They—they were the ones that were in the playoffs. You
3: were watching them. Like I—I I, I get it from all that.
2: That's—that's that's the only reason I picked them. It's like these guys are killing a really good Dallas D. These guys are killing a really good Cleveland D. So, in the beginning of the year, for the Packers, it was probably the first eight weeks. For the Texans, it was less—probably the
3: first four weeks. Those offenses were pretty clunky. You had a lot of guys running the same route. You had a lot of mistakes that were taking place. You, you dealt with some really bad football. And C.J. Stroud has ascended. And I mean, we could argue, gosh, you could argue he might be one of the five best quarterbacks in football right now if you want to be a prisoner of the moment. He's at least top ten. And he helped to turn that around. And he worked with these guys. And you saw that chemistry build. And you saw an understanding in that offense evolve. Jordan Love looked horrible for like six weeks. I mean, I can tell you Green Bay wanted to bench him. Everybody was screaming for Steve Clifford to come in with his dueling knee braces at the wonderful age of being the 26-year-old rookie that he is. I mean, they were screaming for the mountaintops to get Jordan Love the hell out. And Green Bay stuck with him, And they they worked with the receivers. They worked with Matt LaFleur. They worked with all these guys. And it looks better now than it did in the beginning. And there's that level of patience that really took place there because Green Bay seriously like Dobbs and Jaden Reed were running the same routes, like two guys standing in the same place with three defenders around them. He was a train wreck. That offense was brutal. And the defense was even worse. And like it just, you had that patience, you had that chemistry and the Browns never had that this year. They never had the same quarterback there for a long enough period of time for those receivers and quarterbacks to develop that chemistry.
2: I, I, can't argue with that. And that's why I'm not not giving up on Cedric Tillman. I think Cedric could be good. David Bell could be a really good possession receiver in this league. I don't know if he's going to be a game-breaker. And and there's still time. But this is what I'm talking about. Green Bay just kept throwing young wide receivers at you. You, you want to take it a step further? This is, this is what I'm talking about, about productivity out of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The Green Bay Packers. They had, their, they had five different wide receivers this year who combined for seven games of the 90-plus yards or more. Green Bay wide receivers had 27 touchdown receptions this year. They're wide receivers. yeah, And I know tight ends catch passes. I know running backs catch passes. Lots of dogs, I know that. Lot but, of... but wide receiver is a specific position on the field. 27 touchdowns. The Texans had wide receivers who caught 18 touchdown passes this year. Browns wide receivers caught 10 touchdown
6: passes. That was it. Ten.
2: And they don't scare teams. And if it's not Amari Cooper, then what are you going to do? Amari had half of the wide receiver touchdowns. Elijah Moore had two. David Bell had three. That was it.
3: Now, again, I, and I, I know exactly where you're going, and I, and I understand and I agree with you. Some of that is DTR. Some of
2: that is PJ Walker. I, I, I get that. And, yeah. and you're, without question, that's true. However, Joe Flacco came in. Mm-hmm. And who was productive? Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper. Right. If you're saying only wide receivers, only yes. wide receivers. That's, that's, yes, the, yes. that's the talk here. That's why this team needs to go get some wide receivers this offseason. Not that they haven't tried. I'll explain something about that next on Baskin and Phelps. Welcome to Baskin and Phelps. If you're just tuning in, if you're not, welcome back to Baskin and Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps. No Baskin today. Dan Menigan, in for Baskin. Basking in the glow of his Packers, getting the big win over the Cowboys, which could cost Mike McCarthy his job, which would just make Dan even happier.
3: Hasn't happened yet, but I'm waiting for Jerry to cut into an overcooked steak and change his mind. Well,
2: uh, does he cook, eat well-done steaks? Or- oh, I
3: have no idea. My assumption is it's Jerry Jones. I assume he just basically exists on nothing more than steak and Johnny Walker scotch.
2: Let's take a good piece of meat and ruin it by cooking it well-done.
3: That's probably. I don't know how he takes the steak, but I assume it's it's... It's Jerry. My guess would be still moving.
2: Number to join us is 216-578. Excuse me. That's the old number. 216-474-0092. <laughs> I, do I do it all the time. It's been a long time since I've done that. Uh, 216-474-0092. Uh, I, I have something more I want to say about the wide receivers. We'll do that in a second. Wayne's in Cleveland. Wayne. All right, Wayne.
14: Hey, hey, Jess. How y'all doing, man? Well, doing doing
15: well,
3: man. D? Mr. D. Um, I had a
16: question. Yep. Um, do the Browns have a wide receiver coach? That's what I want to know.
3: They do. Shadow Shae. Shadow
16: Yeah, because like we, yeah, we were just talking. You know, Jeff, you always talk about them wide receivers, man, how we don't get production out of our younger, wide. You know, it's just I, I don't understand. Every other, every other team has these young guys, you know, a rookie or two-year at the most. And, I mean, they, they perform at a, at a high level, man. I, I don't understand why ours can't. Do you think it has something to do with the coaching, you know, far as, you know, wide receiver coach? Wayne, That's
2: I – That's all I had to ask. Thank you. And yep, I, I assumed we would get a question about that. I've heard nothing but good things about Chad O'Shea. That said, Wayne makes a great point. I laid it out. Get the Packers running nothing but young guys out there at wide receiver, and they're ripping it up. Now. Now. I'm not ready to give up on David Bell. I'm not ready to give up on Cedric Tillman. In fact, I think Cedric could be really good. I really do. I think David can be a pro. Um but you got to coach him up. I uh, one thing I wonder about and this is this is where it goes back to, you know, what I was talking about. And it's it's not that the Browns haven't tried to add wide receivers to this team. You know, I went through where the Packers Packers have drafted what, six guys? All the time. In, in the last two years, or, or brought in six guys. And another guy in our practice squad, so seven guys who are like, in their first or second year. And Nico Collins and Tank Dell coming in, young guys for Houston. We brought in young guys, Tillman and Bell. They haven't popped yet. You brought in Elijah Moore. That didn't really work yet, but it could. And Amari Cooper is one of the best deals that we've seen in Cleveland Browns history. I think it's a terrific deal, but here's the thing: though the Browns have have put some assets into this, it hasn't completely clicked. Other than Amari Cooper, let me let me go over this real quick. Sure. We know in 2021 they drafted Anthony Schwartz. He was the 15th wide receiver. The only real miss and guy taken after him who you think, oh my God! And so a lot of teams missed on him. Amon Ross ain't brown of the Lions. Oh yeah. Went in the fourth round. You could have had him, Browns fans. Everybody passed but, on him. But everybody times. passed on him. In 2022, David Bell was the 16th guy. The the big miss after that. And everybody passed on him. Romeo Dobbs of Green Bay, who's really good. And this last year, Cedric Tillman was the 11th guy taken. Guys who I think probably, well, certainly had better rookie years than Cedric. Doesn't mean they'll be better long-term. Josh Downs in Indy. Um, and then in the fifth round, uh, Wicks in Green Bay, Puka Nakua, mm-hmm. oh boy. That's, that's the one a lot, yeah. of a lot of teams are going to kick lot off. But a lot of teams passed on him. How'd that guy go to the fifth? Uh, Trey Palmer, Demario Douglas, a smaller guy in New England who's been really good. The thing that makes me wonder is this, and the Browns didn't have, I mean, they had third-round picks the last two drafts. The Sean Watson trade and other things. Uh, Elijah Moore trade as well. Maybe you don't wait to take the guy who might be left now, you didn't have a whole lot of alternative the last two years. You could have traded up though you know, maybe try to do something to move up and get a guy. One thing they did, and i this i after i after I did this work, I just thought, oh God, that's not good. They traded a second round pick to the Jets for Elijah Moore, right It was the forty second pick. And then they got Elijah Moore and the third-round pick that they used to take Cedric Tillman in return. But you ended up with Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman, guys who were taken between the 42nd pick and the pick the Browns used on Cedric Tillman in the third round. This year, Jaden Reed in Green Bay. Rasheed Rice, who looks like the real deal in Kansas City. Marvin Mims, interesting young guy in Denver with tons of speed. Tank Dell in Houston, Mm -hmm. and Jalen Hyatt, who looks like he might become something in New York. He had one big game, but that was it. So, you know, you could have had Jaden Reed. Instead, you have Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman. You could have had Rasheed Rice. Instead, you have Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman. And those two guys, I think you'd rather have either one of those two guys than both Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman, at least right now. Hopefully that changes. Before – you make any kind of jump and judgment, and all of
3: that kind of stuff on it. I still can't hammer home enough the inconsistency the quarterback stuff, at I know. quarterback. I, I get that sets everybody I, back. I, I get that. I mean, Jeff, think of the amount of think about of wide receivers that have walked through Cleveland that we all thought were going to be something, and the inconsistencies of quarterback completely derailed all. No, thoughts. Of Dan, it. Th-
2: that's I mean, without question a point. Yeah, but but the thing is this: other guys who were there. Have already popped. I mean Cedric Tillman in, was in running. Better the, quarterback situations.
3: I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cedric Tillman was running the wrong routes this year. There were a couple interceptions yeah. Joe Flacco through because Cedric Tillman was running the wrong routes. Why? Because like he though. wasn't
2: on the field. We'll see what he can do. Yes. We'll and see what he can do. And I'm the same way. I like I'm like just too. saying, you've you've got to start hitting. We can sit here. Yes. And, we can sit here and make excuses after excuse after excuse. It's this though. Amari Cooper is a real good wide receiver. Darn right. He had he caught a lot of balls from five different four different quarterbacks. He seems to be quarterback independent. Yeah, and and so that's what I'm hoping they do. Absolutely. So either the Browns next year, well, next year in a couple of months, have a second round pick, and they have a third, and then they have two fifths, two sixths, and two sevenths. I would be really active trying to move up to get the wide receiver I want. I'm not going to sit there in the second round. I might take somebody on the who's on the board in the second round. But if I can move up from the third round and get another, or if I use the second on somebody else, I'm going to package that third. I'm going to go get somebody. I'm not going to just say, "Okay, this is the fifteenth guy in the." Okay, yeah, we'll take him. I I think you need to add to somebody. I think free agency too. We're going to get into tons of this, you know, in the months ahead. But clearly, I think you need to add some talent there that can scare the opposition and set up the rest of the offense. You know that that's part of it. But your point about the quarterback. Absolutely dead it's on. It's quarterback and it's patience. Absolutely dead on. Bostonian. Where you been? Yeah. Where Holy you been?
14: Smokes. Smokes. Where have I been, man? I've been everywhere. I wanted you to know I'm still alive and kicking.
2: I'm glad. I was thinking. I actually said something last week in in one of our commercial breaks. I said, man, I hope he's okay. Where's he been?
14: I'm all right. My wife will tell you tell him, honey.
8: He's been working and we, uh, we live in uh,
6: Boston in
2: Massachusetts
14: Was yeah.
8: it
2: uh can I talk to you about the, your
14: beloved bros?
2: Yeah did you move did you actually move to Boston
14: All right no He's not going to tell was me. I'm still here Oh okay Listen, good Your your record should have been uh, 8 and 9 you won three games you should have lost. The Indianapolis game, you won that in the last minute. The guy intercepted the ball, and they gave it back to the Browns. You scored a touchdown. You should have lost against the 49ers. You beat them. And I think the other team was the Jacksonville that you beat by five or something. And and you, I, I knew you were going to get beat bad. I knew it. I knew it that you wasn't going to be close. (laughs) I'm telling you, you guys are not that good. Your defense is good. Your offense is no good. You got a 38-year-old man playing quarterback. Not
2: next year, baby.
14: He's going to be 39 next year. What's he going to do? You are going to start him next year? He
2: might be playing for your Patriots next year. That's a valid point.
14: I'll tell you, I'm making a prediction right now. The Patriots will be in the playoff next year, even though they were the only won four games. I saw them lose a lot of games they should have won. They got the potential right and their defense there, was sorry. injured
2: like crazy. What do you and think of I want your thought up. by the way. What about Belichick leaving
14: uh, well uh i am surprised because him and Kraft were up tight. You know, and I don't understand why he left. I don't know.
2: It must have been something personal. Okay. Hey, thank you for calling. Great to hear from you.
14: All right, Chip. Take it easy.
2: And great to hear from Mrs. Bostonian. Take care of him.
14: <laughs> All
2: right. Bye, you guys. I love them. Jeff catching up with friends here on well, 92.3 The Van. Did I not ask last week in a commercial? You I did said, ask. Well, we haven't heard you from a Bostonian okay? I hope yeah. he's
3: okay. Hey, you're I hope f- he's okay. You're a friendly man. You're a very I, friendly I,
2: man. I said the same thing about Ken in Brooklyn. He called the Browns postgame show. Wanted to talk Calves on the Browns postgame show, but, you know, you'll have that. 216-474-0092 is the number to join us. Folks, wide receiver, one of the things moving forward that we're going to talk a lot about moving forward because that's all we have now. We don't have a game to get ready for. It's Baskin and Phelps right here on The Fan. Coming up at one o'clock, our buddy Tyvis Powell from the Browns Radio Network. Tyvis from Bedford from Ohio State. It's been with many NFL teams, now with our team. Tyvis will join us coming up at one o'clock. We'll get his thoughts on the recently concluded Browns season that came to an unceremonious end. I'm Jeff Phelps, Dan Menigan's in for Baskin today. Two one six four seven four zero zero nine two is the number to join us. Robert is in North Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, Robert. All right, Robert.
16: Hey, how you doing, Jeff and Dan? Great. We're
2: doing well, man. Um,
16: I got a few things I want to say about this season. And uh, I, I look at the, the games differently than I, than a lot of people do. Because I look at the D-line, uh, the O-line, and uh, what's going on. And uh, when the Browns played the uh, Rams, they gave other teams. Oh, in Denver, they gave uh, they gave other teams the blueprint on how to beat them. Uh, when they got punched in the mouth, because that's that's in the playoffs when you uh, have a little adversity and you get punched in the face, and you say, okay, what next? What do I have to do to make adjustments? And going into the off season, uh the Browns need uh, help at linebacker more than uh, the DBs. And uh, I, I listen to your station a lot. And uh, a lot of people called in about uh, Miles Garrett saying he didn't show up. But uh, the man was playing hurt the last uh, – six, seven games, you know, you can call it what you want to call it, but he was out there. And I don't think a lot of people realize also that uh, he had lost a family member too. So I think that went into uh, consideration too. But uh, and,
3: and I mean, Robert, offensive linemen get paid too. You know, I mean, there's, I, yeah, there's yeah, another part of that like, with but, it, you know.
16: But, but the thing is they're professionals. And uh, I'll leave you with this, you know, Everybody talks about the excuses. Because so this, this was a, a prime uh, example of being able to get to uh, where they wanted to go this year. Because if you look at the lay of the land for next year, you know, Cincinnati's going to be good again. Ravens aren't going anywhere. Uh, Steelers get help at quarterback. You know, Browns are going to lose some stuff. But um, you can pick up a receiver any you want. Uh, He's going to pay him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft a receiver.
2: I, I would. Robert, thank you. I would, and I'd get one in free agency.
3: If there's some guy in this draft that I love, yes. It's supposed if to
2: be a deep wide receiver draft. It's supposed
3: to be a good wide receiver draft. Okay, if they come out and they go, look, we want. I want to see this with 15 games of Deshaun Watson to see if there's some level of chemistry that then takes over. OK, I'll listen to that, too, because I think that played a serious part to why the wide receivers looked as clunky as they did.
2: Hard to argue with that. Eric is in Fairview Park. Hello, Eric. It's Eric?
10: Hey, I have two quick little anecdotes, and then I'm going to get to the reason I actually called in. The first one, I just want to talk to Bostonian and say, I knew the Patriots were going to have a single digit win season. I knew that big because hindsight is twenty twenty, so I knew that. Uh, the second one is kind of reminded me of the Guardians like two years ago when they got eliminated by the Yankees. I'm not calling the Texans the Yankees by any means, but just as far as it was similar and like they kind of went further than they probably should have. Um, but the real reason I called in was... Is this, by design, with the wide receivers, like Stefanski's system, his offense is very tight-end friendly? And uh, not that I'm expecting you guys to have an answer and put you on the spot, but uh, I'm curious because the Chiefs have been one of the model franchises in the NFL probably the last five years or so. Uh, I'm curious what their numbers are like at wide receiver because we all know how Kelsey dominates with Mahomes. So that's all I have, but I, I'll leave it to you guys to answer. But
2: thanks. All right, Eric, thank you. So, Eric, Jeff, you want to go or me? I'll, I'll say this one about the Chiefs. Okay. The big complaint about the Chiefs all year was that their wide receivers weren't very productive. And Travis Kelsey was, and I didn't play in the last game, but was under 1,000 yards for the first time in like seven seasons. So defenses were paying more attention to Travis. Chiefs will be looking for wide receivers in the offseason. They'll they'll go get somebody. But I think they have at least one real keeper in Rashid Rice.
3: So Stefanski's system when he was in Minnesota, everybody likes to point to that one with Thielen and Diggs. Yeah, and but those, fact I was going to say
2: there are two really good wide receivers that were
3: there. Two And two very different wide receivers. And
2: one was a fifth or sixth-round pick in Diggs, mm-hmm. and Thielen was an undrafted, was an undrafted free guy. agent.
3: Right. So there is a pass there where two wide receivers can still – dominate in a similar system and the same thing you could toss in with Kyle Rudolph and how the tight end is able to use them there. Now we're focusing on the wide receiver part of it, but yes, you're right on the tight end friendly part. The other thing we have at that that is really, really shown up is the fact that that guy is really malleable. This is not, this is not Mike D'Antoni, six seconds or less. You fit in my system or you're out. This is, we are going to build this to what the quarterback needs to do and what the quarterback feels comfortable doing and I will put some wrinkles in to help get some guys open, but you saw this season how it went from shotgun, three wide receivers, four wide receivers, Deshaun Watson in the shotgun, surveying the field, getting rid of the ball, scrambling in the back, all that kind of stuff, and how everything then immediately went to, well, Watson's out. Let's get rid of all the QB run stuff because you're not doing that with Joe Flacco. Let's bring in the heavy play action, Gary Kubiak, Old-style Shanahan, heavy play action, bootleg, naked bootleg. Let's move the pocket because our our tackles aren't good enough and find a way to win. And I think that's the big thing with all of it is with Stefanski, the guy is malleable, and he'll do what he can to put these guys in a position to
2: succeed. Nathan is in Twinsburg. Hello, Nathan. What's up, Nathan?
5: Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Happy
17: New Year. Hope you're staying uh, healthy and prosperous thus far. Yes, appreciate um, that, man. Thank you. Here's I... I'm gonna I'm gonna die in this hill and it's gonna it's gonna drive people crazy I'm sure I can't get around the sub six foot receiver like Amari Cooper I would like to see Amari Cooper's win rate on a fifty fifty balls I'm sure it's I'm sure it's seventy five eighty percent I just feel like the, to be a, a successful sub six foot receiver in the NFL you need to have like special Tyreek speed or like a, an amazing route runner or some other crazy intangible that makes you succeed I just don't like What's what's good win and what's good win and more five nine five ten, and with DBs getting taller. I mean they are they're they're going up to almost six foot now. You lose a lot of those fifty fifty chances. Even
2: bigger, even bigger for some of the defensive backs.
17: What right right, right. So, so like two? I, I mean yeah Cooper's, what six two so like you know you can throw the ball nine feet in the air and Cooper's going to come down with that ball. He just, I mean, on top of him being a great route runner and he knows how to find open pockets and things that veteran receivers do, um, I just, I have a hard time with these sub-six-foot receivers. Like, again, if you don't have Tyreek Hill speed, I just don't think you, you, you I think the success rate in, in the NFL is a lot lower for shorter
2: receivers. All right, Nathan, thank you very much. It's...
3: I'd have to sit and stare at it and see how that goes. I, I feel like that's a real blanket statement to make.
2: It it is because take, take a look around. There are a lot of small receivers yeah. who do some really. good. And I'm not things.
3: a blank. I'm not a blanket statement kind of guy to. I, I say will too. say I just don't have a front. I mean, Puka has been pretty damn good, and I don't think he's over six foot.
2: I think he is. Is he? Yeah. Okay, I could be wrong. There. I think I think he's like six one or six two. Not sure. I'll find out. Uh, but to me, generally, I'd prefer a wide receiver to be six two, six three, because it just. DB Nathan's right. DBs are bigger than they used to be. Corners, look look at Martin Emerson. Martin's a pretty big guy, right? You know, corners are a little bigger than they used to be. If you're a smaller receiver, that's okay. You better, but Nathan's right. You better be really good at something. You mm-hmm. better be. You got to really have awesome fast. hands. You got to have awesome hands. Yeah. You got to be elusive. You got to be something.
3: Well, where is most of the damage done in offenses now? It's in the slot. So that's well, where a lot of your smaller guys are
2: underneath and bust loose. Mm-hmm. Bills in Absolute. Parma. Hey, Bill.
18: Hey guys. they Proger.
3: Thank you. We're trying. It happens every so often. Hey, um,
18: the, there's no other way than you can look upon this season as an outstanding success. Period. Exclamation point.
5: Agreed. Uh,
18: the, the Browns were not going to win the Super Bowl. You know, we'd like to, but to think that is uh, above the pale of really uh, common thinking. Uh, I thought that everything. uh, Njoku, uh took two steps up. David Bell. We finally said his name more than once a game. Um, We did this without Chubb. Uh, The defense we know now is a a once-in-a-generational defense. Uh, Except for one bad game. Yeah, except for one bad game. And look at Dallas. Dallas always has looks like they have a bad game, usually in the playoffs or whatever. This team really showed me that uh They really took a couple steps up and i'm i'm very impressed with that and i'm i look, am looking forward to next year the wide receiver thing i 've always believed the height weight uh doesn 't really matter uh it always is can they get open Fred belitnikoff was not fast was not tall was not uh didn 't weigh anything, but he was you know Denny's he was open twenty four seven and <laughs> And and so the the thing is the thing is is there are wide receivers like that. There's wide receivers like that, and there's big guys, tall guys that can run fast that are never open. And um, and I agree with you, Jeff. Rasheed uh, Rice has really really come on towards the end of the yeah, year. He did, but they've had a couple you know bust with Tony and Sky Moore, but that happens. Uh, lastly, and I like your opinion about this. I'm kind of you know I used to kind of like the bad weather football. I'm. I have become less enamored by it because you know some of these players, like uh, Mahomes, is a half a billion dollar player, and yep. if they if they would get injured on a slick field like that in a playoff game, that's that's unnecessary.
2: And I agree. So a, I agree, Bill. Completely.
18: Hey, well, listen. Thanks a lot, you guys. It's a great program.
2: You got it, Bill. Thank you. But it gets back to what we talked about earlier. I think NFL owners have to be willing to pony up. You can't ask municipalities to go out and spend this kind of money on a football stadium, even one that can be used an awful lot. NFL owners who will be generating revenue out of that building even when there aren't football games in those buildings. I I think the NFL needs to pony up on these. If if the NFL gets on this kick, hey, we want to put these retractable roof stadiums everywhere we possibly can in bad weather climates, okay, well then go ahead and, and write a few checks too. Tyvis Powell played DB in the National Football League. Now he plays analyst for us on the Browns Radio Network. Tyvis, next, right here on Baskin and Phelps. Tyvis Powell from the Browns Radio Network joining us momentarily here on Baskin and Phelps. Mike Vrabel is on the open market. Wonder if Dallas is thinking Freeze. about that. Yeah, uh, And the transfer portal is delivering some of the best players in the nation to Columbus. That's what they say anyway. Nick Wilson and Spencer German break down the big college football headlines on the new Sons of the Shoe episode. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 92.3thefan.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeff Phelps, my partner over there, Dan Menigan. Right, real quick before we get to Tyves. Mm-hmm. You think Mike McCarthy's out in Dallas? I don't think he should be, and I'll bet he is. Jerry Jones is an impatient guy. You know, it fell apart with Jimmy Johnson, and they've not been the same since. And although Barry Switzer came in with Jimmy's team and did just fine. Um, I've heard the name Bill Belichick in Dallas. Can you imagine Bill Belichick (laughs) working for Jerry Jones?
3: With an owner who does a radio show hit every single week and holds his own press conference? After
2: every game. Tremendous. It's more important in Dallas to hear about Jerry Jones after the game, than it is to hear about the coach, which might work for Bill. You never know. It's I, true. Less talking he has to do. I know. It's, it's kind of a strange it's situation. Just grunt at people. Let's go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He's my partner on the Cleveland Browns Radio Network postgame show. He works with Baskin on the pregame show. He does all kinds of other things. He's becoming a media mogul, actually. He's Mr. Tyvis Powell. What's up, buddy?
14: Hello, guys. How you guys doing? You oh. know, the sun came up on Monday, didn't it? We've only had one it
2: Fire did. Stefanski call today, Ted. and it's still out, which is tremendous.
19: Wait a minute! Somebody called. Well, we knew that. First, <laughs> first show, first
2: call of the show. <laughs> yeah,
19: there is not a. It's not an off season without a Fire Kevin Stefanski, and that's going to be from now until the time he leaves. It's going to be a Fire Kevin Stefanski, no matter how great and how good he's done. There's always that one person.
2: Should anybody be getting fired after what happened this season end on Saturday against Houston? Or do you reload and go back and do it again?
14: No, I think
19: you reload and go back and do it again. I mean, you know, when you look at, you know, I looked at some of the PFF grades and stuff like that. You know, guys, especially on the defensive line, you know, things kind of slowed down, especially in the month of January. I think I see Miles Garrett only had like three sacks in the month of January now. I think he only played couple handful of games, but still just production went down. I don't think Dalvin Dalvin Tomlinson played as well. And then I just think the secondary just had an off day. You know, I think that we missed some tackles there. We lost leverage and we gave up some explosive plays. I think Nico Collins is better than a lot of people anticipated that he would be. And he just showed up in a big way. And C.J. Stroud just, you know, you underestimate a rookie and you think you got him figured out and boom, he just steps up to the moment and makes big plays. So They just got to reload, and I think they got to do it again. I think they got the right coaching staff in there. That's evident just from the team that we saw last year and the team we saw this year. Totally, two totally different teams. They just got to find a way to win in the postseason.
3: All right, Tyvus, from what you saw out of this game, what did the Texans do so well to just completely flummox one of the best defenses in football?
5: Well, I think it starts
19: with having a really premier left tackle. You know, Larry Mutonso, did a really good job with Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett had what a tackle on the game, maybe a couple of pressures. But the thing is this: every game, every offensive coordinator comes in there and figures out a way to try to stop Miles Garrett. Okay, so now you, you dedicate two to maybe three people to stopping Miles Garrett. You know, and if you got a left tackle that can handle him one on one, now you can open up other things. You know, now you don't have to work waste the tight end on that side or have the running back chip to that side. You can get extra guys out in the routes and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what happened. I think Miles, I think Laramie Thompson just did such a good job on Miles that it allowed, it gave that offensive coordinator the confidence to be able to leave him one-on-one on the island. And I think he just showed up in a big way.
2: Tyvis, we heard Miles Garrett say that Jim Schwartz said, nope, we're going to you know, basically dance with what brung us. This is what we do. We're going to keep doing it. When he was asked about adjustments, uh, and we kind of looked at each other when we heard those comments in the postgame show, what adjustments could have been made that you think could have slowed down C.J. Stroud in that passing game? Is there anything that you think that, boy, I would have done? Fill in the blank.
8: I
19: think if I, if you, and if I could go back in the time, some of the adjustments that I would have made is, and I would have tried to send more people on blitzes. I think I would have tried to speed his clock up. I thought, you know, if Miles Garrett is going to be singled up. And they're going to try to get more people out. I think you got to bring more than they can handle. You know, so I think I kind of would have forced them to make the tight end stay in, or make that running back stay in. You know, you send more than the offensive line can handle. They have no choice but to stay in. And now you now you're talking about a couple of man, a two two to maybe three man route. And I think the secondary is good enough to handle those things. Think that if I could go back in time again, I would put Nico Collins on on or Denzel on Nico Collins, I think I would make him travel. I know coming into this game, you know, you thought you had three premier top corners that can guard anybody. But I think as that game went on, at some point, you got to take your best and put him on, your be- on their best. You know, I understand that you got confidence in everybody in the secondary, but clearly there was a disconnect there. So I would have told Denzel, listen, you for the rest of this game, you got him. Wherever he go, you go, you know. You took reps in the spring in the slot so you can handle the slot. Nico Collins is a more outside guy anyway, so I think that's kind of how I would have handled that and let the chips fall where they may.
3: Well, and it's funny you did that because that is the same thing we were all saying about Houston coming in here with Derek Stingley was they were like, oh, yeah, Stingley just plays one side of the field. That's all he does. He only takes the snaps over there. I I think he played like three snaps on the other side of the field. Like they put him on that side and just let him go until this game when they had Stingley follow Amari Cooper around. The Texans made the adjustment. It's just it's fascinating you thought to do that.
19: Yeah, I mean I listen, when I was when I was in Seattle, you know, obviously me and Sherm got a really good relationship. And, you know, back in those days when they had the L O B and everything was great, they played sides. They never worried about traveling. And I asked Sherm, like, you know, that was like a lot of pushback that he got in his career. It's like, so why is it that you never really wanted to travel? And his his answer was, What's the point of traveling? If if like okay, so they it was back when Pat Pete and him was going, who was the better between Pat Pete and everybody said Pat Pete because he travels. And, and, he and just saying, for the record,
2: Sherman's Richard Sherman and travel means flip sides of the field, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. yes. So <laughs> he was like, knows.
19: What's the what's the point of traveling if you go if they give enough touchdowns, you know? And I was like, Well, that's the thing, you should be able to go over there. he's like, I don't need to go to the other side because the other corner is good enough. It wasn't until later in Sherman's career but well, we had games and they was like listen we can't the other side can't handle this guy you got to hand you got to go follow him so when i was there in 2016 we had played the jets he went up against brandon marshall and wherever brandon marshall went Sherman went and played man on and he did a really good job of competing against him and i think that you know you have i say all that to say you have a plan to play side but once you see somebody beating them and you can't handle it, the other side can't handle it, as the number one corner, your job, if you're getting paid that much money, your job is to go step up and, and shut it down. That's why they pay you to do such a thing. And I wish that that would have been the case. That I wish Denzel would have just walked up to the gym and said, listen, I got him for the rest of the game. I know what the game plan is. I know it might mess up our disguise, but it is what it is. I can't, I can't allow this man to continue to beat us deep like this, and that's what should have happened.
2: Tyvus Powell joining us, Browns Radio Network. Dan and I were having a little bit of a debate earlier in the show. We were talking wide receivers, and you know, the young Texans wide receivers kind of all season long jumped off the page, gave them some targets. Green Bay's wide receivers, all young. Boy, they they look like a really good young group. And I said, the Browns' young wide receivers, their group hasn't clicked despite the fact that the Browns have, have put some resources into that, Tyvus. And, and there's still time, but – Obviously it hasn't worked yet. How do you evaluate the Browns wide receivers given that they dealt with four different starting quarterbacks this year?
19: Well, I think that, you know, I think a lot of it was, it, there. they are worked as great as people anticipated. You know, you think about going back all the way to OTAs. You know, you we talked about, oh, wait till you see this new passing attack. Wait till you see this new offense. And, you know, you see all these highlight clips from OTAs of, Elijah Moore going up against Denzel. You see Marquise Goodwin getting burning people down in the slot. Obviously, you know what Cooper's going to do. But when we got to the season, we didn't really see a ton of Elijah Moore beating guys one on one. We didn't get to see Marquise Goodwin due to injury him burning people down the field. I think we saw one deep ball I think from him. So it just they just it was just not there this season. Outside of Amari Cooper and the emergence of Dave Njoku, wasn't a ton of excitement out of that wide receiver room, and it was very unfortunate. You know, it got to the point where people was like, well, who's the next guy? You know what I mean? Elijah Moore showed moments. He showed glimpses, but it wasn't nearly consistent enough. You know, if you want to compete in the big leagues and you want to go to the playoffs and do all those things, you know, you got to be consistent. You got to be a guy. You got to be somebody that defensive coordinators worry about. And outside of Amari Cooper and David Njoku, I don't think that there's any other guy in that receiving core that guys fear. And I think that's something that needs to get figured out. You adding a wideout this offseason, buddy? I think you have to. I think you definitely have to entertain that because you got to think, Amari Cooper's getting older. Obviously, David Njoku's going to continue to grow. And Amari Cooper's going to be good for years to come because what he has is a very good skill set as far as running routes. That ability is always going to allow him to make plays but I still think you need a younger guy, a younger wide receiver that can make plays. You know, you think of a guy like Tank Dale. He came on the scene and he just made plays as a young guy. And I just look at our core and I just don't see that guy that can just make plays day in and day out. Like, you know, you got for sure things with Amari Cooper, even with Dave and Cooper, But you need one more for sure thing, especially, you know, with Nick Chubb coming back, not knowing if he's going to be 100 percent with that running game, not looking as strong as he did once upon a time you need that extra guy in the passing game to make
3: plays. Veteran or rookie, Tybus?
19: Well, I think that <laughs> rookie is it's hard with the rookies because for some odd reason, we just haven't done a really good job of drafting well at rookie at wide receivers. But you think of Schwartz, you think of Tillman, you think of David Bell, who came on late. And it's not, I mean, I'm not giving up on them at all. I think those guys are talented. And I think, you know, over in the next couple of years, we'll see something out of those guys. So I, I just think that we're better when we trade for a guy or we acquire somebody, free agency. I think you need a veteran, you know, that can, that can stretch the field. Problem is, it's so hard to get your hands on guys like that. You know, those guys are like precious gold in the NFL. So you're going to have to give up something to probably acquire one of those type of guys. Davis,
2: thanks for joining us on Mondays during the football season. We appreciate it. And, uh, of course, it was a pleasure working with you this year on the Browns postgame show.
19: Likewise, Jeff, I appreciate everything y'all done for me and allowing me to come on and have an opportunity to talk to the people that listen to the Cleveland, sh- or the 92-3, the fan, and I'll look forward to seeing you both
2: next season. Yeah, we'll, we'll be bugging you before then. You yeah, know. you're not off the hook. So. You're going to hop on with us sporadically,
3: right?
19: <laughs> I, you know, that's the way y'all made it seem, you know?
3: <laughs> oh, no, you're hopping on with us sporadically, even if i got to drive down to Columbus and shove the phone in your ear. it will be great.
2: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate y'all. Go Browns. Tyvis Powell joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. 216-474-0092, the number to join us. It's still kind of settling in, folks. So it was a, a really fun season, a really entertaining season. Came to a really awful end for the Browns, and and that's just a dang shame. That's the truth there. was Miles Garrett? But Kevin Stefanski made an interesting comment about Miles because he was asked about Miles and his sack total that wasn't as high as it was. He had 12 through a certain amount of time, and then it really dropped off. And Kevin said it's unfortunate that defensive uh, efforts, abilities Mm -hmm. are so tied to sacks. He said that's not always the best indicator. No,
3: pressures. Yeah. Use pressures. Pressure rate is another I would
2: agree. And don't forget, Miles was dealing with that shoulder thing all season long, and yet I thought still was a disruptive force on that defense. I, all I know is that if he's not the defensive player of the year, he's certainly in the conversation and will be one of the top vote-getters. Oh, gosh, and, yes. And because he's des- he's deserving. you know, he, he deserves that. He's one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. Every year, you know, this guy's the defensive player of the year. Really? Okay. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. What I what I know is that he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL, mm-hmm. and one hundred percent, it's
3: he will be a top three guy, and in my mind, he should win it. Now, again, we're biased here, and there is no denying that fact. That's a fact, but he should win it. I mean, the guy was unbelievable all season long. That wide nine system fit him like a glove. He was always in the backfield for tackles for loss. He was back there for pressures, and he was opening up for other guys too. And the fact that Obo Okoronkwo looked as good as he did, the fact that Derek Smith was able to be as good as he was, the fact that Alex Wright took a step forward, it, it, as much as we want to sit here and say it's because those guys work hard, and they do, it's also the fact that
2: there's a big man on the other side there who's caused a lot of havoc for a lot of teams. True. Two one six four seven four zero zero nine two is our number. Bob is in Chardon, home of the Hilltoppers, you, and a lot of snow. Hey, guys. You have, hey, snow guys out, you have snow? out there, Bob? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you have snow out there? Oh yeah. You Always do. got snow out here. Okay. It's just
12: cold. <laughs> it's just cold downtown.
17: Hey, long, time, long time listener, first time caller. Oh, terrific. Thank hey, you. Yeah. Um, you know, we were told early or before the game, it's uh, we're going to go with what took us to the dance, and you know, we had the power of the Schwartz. And we didn't use it. And Tybis kind of took my thunder there because he nailed it with, uh, what happened to the blitz? You know, we've got this great secondary that can cover guys right off the line. That's where your pressure should be. And we didn't apply any pressure. I'll hang up and uh, let you guys respond. Appreciate it. All
2: right, Bob. Thanks for calling for the first time. I think you could look at just about everything the Browns did defensively against Houston and think, why didn't we do this? (laughs) Just because – it did, It just didn't work, I got somebody i mean i got it, it just didn't work. I got a guy who knows this
3: football and he, and he knows his football well, and I enjoy talking to him on the X yelling at me, well, not yelling, I should say, but saying that hey they need to disguise their coverage is better, and the funny thing is is a want to respond to him more than anything go like, didn't they fire the last guy because he discovered he disguised his coverage as too much, and the the guys couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Like, and I know there's a happy medium and all that stuff, and that's the way that it should be, but it's, it makes me laugh more than anything. When things go wrong,
2: everybody has a solution. Mark in Chesterland probably has one. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you? Doing, Doing well, really well Mark. Well.
15: Hey, great. Hey, I'm calling because, you know, I wonder if the problem with the Browns for so long is that they're over-managed. And, you know, the coaches, they don't trust trust the players. They don't give players opportunities, and the players never develop and looking at Miles Garrett's comments about Jim Schwartz, who I like, who was, you know, didn't make adjustments for the game, didn't come in with a fresh game plan, stuck to the plan. You know, Baker Mayfield not throwing to Odell Beckham Jr., you know, like David Bell finally getting opportunities and Amari Cooper being the only receiver, as you mentioned earlier, with over the 100 yards. You guys got me off the exercise bicycle, you know.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I'm glad you got a good sweat. So, in it. You
15: know, I'm wondering, can you comment on that? I think they're just over-managed. It's the same thing every
5: year.
2: Mark, thank hmm. you. I, I've said for the longest time, and, and I'm, I'm no expert on this, it just seems to me that football is the most overcoached sport on the planet. These guys spend so much time studying film and game plans and everything else, and I've always kind of thought, if you're bigger, stronger, faster than the other team, chances are you're going to win. Not necessarily true. Coaching helps. But, Mark, I, I see it. But the Browns aren't any more overcoached than any other team. The The NFL does this, Dan. These guys, these guys spend hour after hour after hour pouring over video and working on game plans and everything else. I just think the entire sport is overcoached because it still, to me, comes down to, are my players better than yours?
3: It comes down to, are my players better than yours? Am I putting them in the best position to succeed? And do all of them know where the other ones are going to be at any given time? Can you operate? Can all 11 guys pull in the right direction at the right time?
2: On both sides of the ball. That's and where you can coaching toss in special teams. That's where coaching comes in. You have to coordinate these guys.
3: Exactly. And so that's the other side of it. I don't know because your whole goal is to have 11 guys know where each of them are going at any given time, and that's the only way you succeed. If 10 guys pull in the right direction and one doesn't, the play can blow up in your face. I partially wonder, again, with all of the injuries that this team had, if they had a very hard time being able to find 11 guys to consistently know where the other one was going to be. And that's both the offense and the defensive side of the ball. And so as much as you want to sit there and go, okay, is it overcoached when it comes to the offensive side? It's like, well, hell, how are you supposed to know 11 guys are pulling in the same direction if you don't know which 11 guys are going to be standing in there any given week?
2: Robert in Brexville calling on a Monday, not on a Friday for Quick Predicts. Hi, Robert.
17: Hey, long time listener, long time caller, long time tweeter, uh, long time gift buyer. What else is there?
6: <laughs> long
12: time
17: I've been waiting year I've been waiting years for someone to uh, uh,
12: get ahead of me on a phone call so I could finally say that. Nice. <laughs> um, so, no. So, you're talking about wide receivers, free agency, and stuff like that. So, I want to throw this curveball at you, Dan. Pete okay. Carroll's out. They might not necessarily be doing a rebuild. DK Metcalf, wants out? What would you give up for him?
3: So, what? The Browns are holding the second rounder. That's their first pick that they've got. The Browns got. have a
2: second and a third.
3: They're going because to have a third. They might have a second third a if Glenn Cook catcher is better.
12: That That's a good catcher that I feel that we could go and grab for what? not too much. That's ready.
3: That's a burner. That's that's a serious burner and a guy that's a pain in the butt to tackle. Boy, I'd be tempted to, to give up that second round pick.
12: There's your answer. I already got his jersey, so I'm good to go on that.
2: There you go. I'd give up a second and a third for him. I think he's terrific. Spray paint it brown, Robert. Robert, thank you. Second and a third, I would do it in a heartbeat. The only thing that I don't love with that is you, you
3: start getting down the, the Rams mantra mold. You and mean the
2: Rams team that came back and made the playoffs this year?
3: Well, can you go find your. Can you go knock a draft out of the ballpark the way that they did? Uh, in theory. I mean, that's, that's the question. I mean, they were able to do it because they, they ended up getting those picks back after doing what they did previously to them. Well,
2: and isn't then, that the idea, though? And then drafting monsters that have come in and made instant impacts. Okay. I, I'll take my chances on a guy like DK Metcalf, as opposed to finding monsters with a second and a third round pick.
3: Thing is, you got to do it for sustainability's sake. You can't pay everybody as much as Jimmy Haslam loves handing out checks. You can't pay everybody.
2: Todd's in ward one, Todd. Seven, Hi buddy.
20: Jeff, Dan, I called about something else, but since he brought it up, can you get DK Metcalf for a second round pick at this point? He plays
2: exceptionally well. I think it would take more. That's why I threw in the third I'd probably
3: do it with the third too. Oh, you now you're on
2: board, he, huh? Yeah,
20: I mean I I, said, I we talked about this um last year. I was when he when he was bickering about the way he was being treated out mm-hmm. there. I was like I wish they were, this was before the season started. I said I wish there was some way they could get Metcalf, but I don't I man, that dude's too I don't know if a second and a third would be enough for him.
2: But I don't know either. He, you know, let me let me throw one thought at you, Todd. You ready? I'm ready. You're going to start Dewan Jones next year if he's good to go you going to start Jack Conklin next year if he's good to go? Maybe. What are you going to do Ooh. with Jedrick Wills? Ooh.
3: Oh, I'd be okay with letting him go.
2: Well, there you go. You got three tackles and you got two spots.
3: There's no way you're getting Seattle to to, to pull that one. Especially a guy on a fifth-year option that's been pretty maligned.
2: Now no, stop, Dan. I didn't say trade Jedrick Wills even up for DK Metcalf. No,
3: no, no. I mean, even if you sweeten the pot a bit, that's, that's an ask. Have you seen... Line play around the NFL? I have. It's
2: not ideal, but Charles Cross is pretty damn good over there. Second round, fourth round, fill-in-the-blank Jedrick Wills, D.K. Metcalf, and a sixth. Todd, you doing it?
20: I'd have to look at that some more before I, before I agree to that on but, air. But you I mean, know what I'm saying. I'm going to bring it up again. I'm you know what bring I'm saying. Again. You
2: can ponder. You can ponder. There, there are things you can do. The Browns now actually have some talent on their roster, and they and Dan, you just said it. You're not going to be able to pay everybody. The Browns might actually be able to do something that you don't see all the time in the NFL, and that's make a player trade. See the problem player is for
3: player. You're bringing up these conversations to me, Jeff, when I need a waitress to come by and hand me another beer special and some nachos. I got to think these things through. Valid, Todd.
20: It's it's so hard for me to be disappointed, which is why I'm not heavily disappointed because I know that none of the injuries on the Browns were due to dumb stuff. Acting foolish at, off the field, and, really Joku's a, and Joku's was just a and was just the accident, no big deal, so it's hard for me. they just they just couldn't hang, okay they just couldn't hang. I saw six guys I want y'all to address any one of these six that you whether you agree so I know if you're you know something i don't I don't know or think I know Alex Wright, both bells, both bells okay um Martin Emerson and joku. These are the guys – oh, and Newsom. I, Newsom could play the slot. He just has to get more practice at it. But these guys all look well to me this year, and they all look like they could have definite improvement. They're guys on the team that did well this year, and I think that's all they're going to be next year is just as good as they were um, this year. But um, And Bell, DeAnthony Bell, I see that he can make some serious improvement, but he's marginal because just his ability limited. So of those guys that play well this year, and I think David Bell played well, who do you think um, has most likely is going to do the most improvement? And when did – I know the schedule's not out, but the teams are out there they are going to play, aren't they? I'll talk to you well, later.
2: All right, Todd, thank you. I haven't paid any attention to that yet. All right, coming up next schedule, game. And and to be perfectly honest, I think Njoku took a big step and could take a bigger step. And I I uh, think Martin Emerson, same thing. I think Martin did a nice job this year, not tackling Brevin Jordan, but did a nice job this year. Uh, Think about what I just said about the tackles next on Basket of Phelps.
9: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.